Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Come on, can you give God some praise today before you're seated? Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord today. If you've got your Bibles with you, I would love for you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to jump into the God's, in God's Word today. And one more time, I want to thank you for being here. So glad that you're here today. And I uh, want to remind you, if you need to be baptized, if you're thinking about being baptized, I wish you would. And you, know, you can sign up today. Sign up this week. And the baptism is this Sunday, coming Sunday, in our 11 o'clock service. So we want to see you there. I want you to be baptized. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I, looking at verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But it is the power of God to those who are being saved. Verse 26 says, Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective. Not many were powerful. Not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world. What's he talking about? Well, you go back to verse 18. He's talking about Jesus Christ and what he done on the cross. That was a foolish thing. Back then, I mean, it was not only a foolish thing to think that the cro- a cross or Someone dying on a cross would bring some kind of victory or be anything good would be a foolish thing. It'd be like saying, uh, uh, verse 18, saying for the word of the electric chair or the word of lethal injection. You've got to understand that what Jesus Christ done on the cross, the crucif- a crucifixion, any crucifixion, would be something that is shameful. As people or families would come into a city where there would be people hanging on a cross, the moms and dads would cover the children's eyes and say, don't look. It was a shameful thing. Do you understand? Nothing more shameful than a man hanging on a cross. Why? Because when you look at that cross... You would, and that person there, you, you, would, you would just come to understand, man, they must have done something terrible. Something, something uh, crime that, that, that had to be so heinous that only crucifixion would satisfy a demand for justice. And the writer Paul here is saying, God took a foolish thing. God took a shameful thing and turned it around. 
You know, the Bible says if, the, if those in authority would have known, would have known what the cross meant, if the authorities and powers would have known what Jesus was doing on that cross, if Satan would have known what was going on, Satan would have never pushed the cross. He would have never took glee and joy in the cross. But can I tell you, he did not know what was going on that day. The people did not know what was going on that day. But God knew what was going on that day. And he takes the foolish thing and confounds the wise. Verse 28, God has chosen what's insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, <laughs> so that no one may boast in his presence. And because this is the way God has always done things, he looks, people may look at you and say, there ain't nothing special about him. There's nothing special about her, but he takes that which seems in insignificant. He takes that thing which seems foolish. There's not many noble. Didn't we just read that? There's not many wise, but God takes pleasure in taking people like me and you and changing our lives. People, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. I don't know if there's anybody in here ever messed up, any committed a sin. Probably not. Probably not in the nine o'clock service. Probably not you, but probably your neighbor, the one sitting beside you. They've messed up a lot. They've sinned a lot. They've screwed up a lot. They may be somebody in here on the back row. I don't know who would say, I burnt some bridges. I, 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 I had a, the worst. I was the black sheep in the family. That ain't nobody want nothing to do with me. Nobody could trust me. But one day, God got a hold of me. It's a foolish thing. Huh? It's a foolish thing. Don't make sense to the world, but God can take that which seems insignificant. Something that seems like nothing. Somebody who looks like a nobody and turn them into somebody. I said he can take a nobody and turn them into somebody. But I can't brag about that I've done it. So that no one may boast, verse 29, in his presence. It is from him... That you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us, <laughs> our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. All is found in who? In Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ done for us. Everything, everything. I just named three things that is everything. There's nothing, there's nothing that we're missing if Jesus is our righteousness. That means we're in right standing with God. That means I can stand before God and I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry. I know what I've done in my life. I know the mistakes I've made. I know the sins I've committed. But perfect love cast out all fear. And when I placed my faith in Jesus and what he'd done for me, he became my righteousness. He who knew no sin became my, who became sin so that I could become the righteousness of God. He put his righteousness in me. 
I remember, I remember when uh, when I was a teenager, uh, I was I was I was didn't understand the righteousness of God, and God spoke to me one day, and I didn't even understand it then. It's not until later on that I would understand it, but I would say I'd pray all the time, Lord, forgive me of my sins, cleanse me from my unrighteousness, and put your righteousness in my life. I'd say that over and over and over and over and over. Every time I thought a bad thought, I'd pray that over and over again. Every time I thought I thought I thought a bad thought, I'd pray that over again. Every time I'd done something that I thought was wrong, I'd pray it over again. I could pray it faster than anybody could pray it, say it better than anybody could say it. And one morning I rolled it out of, off, it rolled out my, off my lips because I, I, I don't know what I had done, but I said, Lord, forgive me of my sins, cleanse me from my unrighteousness, and put your righteousness in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I am your righteousness. I am your, I didn't understand that. I knew God spoke it to me, but I didn't understand it. Not until years later, and I began to understand some things I didn't understand about the righteousness of God and the amazing thing that Jesus done for me through his finished work, I begin to understand that my sin doesn't make me unrighteous. My failures doesn't make me unrighteous. My, my condition doesn't change my position. He was trying to let me know, you're never going to measure up. <laughs> You're never going to be what I need. You're never going to be perfection in your own behavior. Therefore, I am. What? I am what you are missing. I am the bridge that gets you from here to there. All have fallen short. All fall short, but his righteousness is that bridge where I feel like I've run out of space and I've run out of room and I've run out of talent and I've run out of ability and my performance isn't measuring up. He is my righteousness. He's my sanctification. He's the one who sets me apart. He's the one at the moment I get saved, he sets me apart for his use. And then he continues as my faith and focus is on him and what he's done for me. He continues just, it's just beautiful work of God. I begin to let go of things that I've been holding on to. Things, bondages, that, that something has to break. Let me tell you how it breaks. It breaks when you realize it already broke over 2,000 years ago. That the breaker has already broke everything that needs breaking. Come on, somebody. On the cross over 2,000 years ago. And he's our redemption. What's that mean? He means he bought us. He bought us. He redeemed us. With what? With his precious blood. Anytime you see redeemed, you, you need to think you need to think of, of a slave auction because that's when Paul would talk about being redeemed, that's what he'd talk about. He'd remind us that we were a slave on the auction block of sin. He would remind us that we were slaves to ourselves. We were slaves of this world. And can you picture yourself today in chains, in bondage to this world, and you are going to be sold to the highest 
bitter but Jesus shows up one day Jesus shows up one day to the auction and says whoa 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 whoa! stop all the bidding I got more money than you got and they say well how much money you got well I really ain't money you see it's a different currency it's a currency of blood it's a currency of blood perfect precious blood and he said I'm taking that one they're mine that one's mine But when he takes them home, he doesn't take them home to be a slave. When he took me home, he didn't take me home to be a slave. He took me home to be a son. He said, hey, them chains right there, you're never going to have to wear them again. Those stocks you're wearing, you ain't never going to have to wear, wear them again. Where, you were, where you've been, you ain't never going back to. Uh, but, but I thought I'm a slave. No, 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 no. I'm making you a son. I'm making you a daughter. I'm putting my spirit down deep inside of you. I'm sealing you unto the day of redemption. I'm adopting you. You're my child. This is what Jesus done for us. But the way he done it seems foolish. How could a man go to a cross and die and that result in my victory? That's a foolish thing. Now, could you imagine 15 years uh, from that event, you preaching and saying, like Paul, like the disciples or the apostles, uh, this Jesus whom they crucified, he is not dead, but he is alive. Wait a minute, you're talking about Mary's son? No, 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 no. You think he's Mary's son. But I tell you, I've had a revelation. Peter would stand up and say, I don't know, I don't care who other people say you are, but let me tell you who I say you are. And let me tell you who he is. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. And the one you crucified, he is risen again. He is alive. Let me tell you what he done on the cross. He he bore all our sin, past, present, and future. All sin that had ever been committed, all sin that was being committed, and all sin that would be committed. He bore it upon his body on the cross. And the Bible says when he died, sin died. Oh, they didn't see it. They didn't know it. But I'm telling you, God had a plan from the very beginning. When he died, sin died. And when he rose again, the Bible says if our faith is in him, we can walk in newness of life that's a foolish thing it's a foolish thing but I want to tell you I put my faith in what the world thinks is foolish for the next few moments I want to preach a word I've entitled faith in a foolish thing Faith in a foolish thing. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5. Some of y'all said, I thought you was already preaching. No. -uh. No. 2 Kings chapter 5. I love this story. There was a man in the Syrian army. He was a general. He was the man. His name was Naaman. All the boys wanted to be like Naaman. All the girls one day wanted to marry a man like Naaman. He was a mighty man. 
strong man. The Bible says that he, wrought, uh, he, he, he gave the army many victories, the Syrian army many victories. He led them into many victories. A mighty man, a valiant warrior. He was a commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a man important to his master. Highly regarded, people thought he was somebody. Because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was a valiant warrior. But he had a skin disease. He had leprosy. King James Version says he had leprosy. Leprosy in the Bible is a perfect description of sin. There was nothing nobody could do for a man who had leprosy. Nothing. And it was a terrible disease. If it continued to progress, limbs would fall off, fingers would fall off, ears would fall off. It would get infected. People who had leprosy weren't to be around other people. They had to let people know, hey, hey, I, don't come around me. Especially in the, in, Jewish, in the Jewish tradition. Don't come around me. Unclean. They'd isolate them to places. Keep them away from everybody. This man, though, Naaman, he was a mighty man. A strong man. But every night, when he'd take off his armor, oh, he, he probably got cheers everywhere he went. But at night, when he got home, and he took off his armor, he stared reality in the face that even though people couldn't see what was going on in his life, he was dying. Oh, they thought he was somebody, but every night he faced the reality as he seen more scars and more sores. Are y'all listening to me? He was faced with the reality that I messed up. I got something that nobody can do nothing for. No matter how many victories I win, I've still got this leprosy. No matter what people say about me, no matter how much money I may have, no matter what title I have to my name, no matter how happy people think I am, I've got a disease that nobody can cure. I've got an issue that nobody can help me with. I've got a problem that nobody has the answer to. I love how it says he was a valiant water warrior, but. And there's a lot of those in our lives. I got a lot of education, but. I know it seems foolish. I, I, I got a lot of money, but. I've, I've, got a, I've got high standing in society, but. I know I look happy and I laugh and I joke around, but. 
I know it looks like I've got it all together. My family's the perfect portrait, a perfect picture of what a family should be. But when I'm all alone, when I'm by myself, when things get quiet, I realize and I know that I've got an issue that nobody can help me with. Aram had gone on raids and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who served Naaman's wife. This young slave girl who was brought out of Israel was a servant, a young girl. And obviously she overheard some conversations that Naaman and his wife had had. Maybe, 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 maybe she overheard as Naaman's wife would try to take care of Naaman. Naaman would grit his teeth as he was in pain. She would sweep, clean the house, and she'd hear, she'd hear the cries of Naaman. Maybe she'd overhear the cries of Naaman's wife. So one day she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his skin disease. See, she was from Israel. And in Israel they served the God, Jehovah. Come on. That's the God we serve, by the way. She was a, a, a stranger in a strange land with people who served a strange God, but she did not lose her testimony. I don't, this ain't even my message, but I want to take some time to stop right here and encourage you and exhort you in the Lord. Maybe you found yourself in a strange place. Maybe you found yourself in a strange predicament. Maybe you found yourself doing something that you would have never chose to do. But can I tell you, no matter what you're going through and no matter where you're at, child of God, do not lose your testimony. She spoke up and said, I, I overheard what's going on. But I know somebody. I know a prophet back in my hometown. And he knows somebody who can do something for you. He can heal Naaman. I know he can. How do you know it? This is a little girl. Because I've seen it. She began to talk about probably this prophet named Elisha. I've seen him do miracles in the name of God. I've seen him do miracles in the name of Jehovah. I've seen him heal people just like our, our, my master Naaman. I've seen him do it. And if he'll get to him, if he'll get to him, I said if he'll get to him, he'll make him whole. He'll heal him. He can do something for him that he can't do for himself. So Naaman, now think about this, and I'm running out of time. Naaman went and told his master what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And I want to tell you that is foolish. That is foolish. Here is, think about it, a general in the Syrian army listening to a little slave girl. Does that make any sense? 
He's got the best doctors at his disposal. He, he has direct connection to the king of Syria. But here he is. This little girl says, I know somebody that can help you. And he goes to the king and says, um, excuse me, I hate to bother you. And I know this is going to sound stupid. Faith in a foolish thing. I know this is going to sound crazy. But I think there's somebody that can help me with my skin condition. Oh yeah, who's this doctor? Sure, I'll make sure you get to him. Who, who is he? Um, oh, is he Dr. Halad over there? Uh, is he Dr. Karstens? Uh, not exactly. Who is he? How'd you hear about him? Well, you know that little girl, that Israelite, that little Jewish girl? Yeah? What's that got to do with anything? Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. She told me that there's a, pro, a prophet. Yeah, a, a prophet. A prophet of who? Uh, I think his name's Jehovah. He's the God of the Israelites. And, and, and she said if I went over there and if he prayed for me, I'd receive my healing. I'm telling you right now, the God of Jehovah, the God Jehovah, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of my mama, the God of my great granddaddy, the God of my grandmama, the God of my family, that God is still doing miracles today. He said, okay, it sounds foolish, but I'll send you to their king. See, he didn't get it. Therefore the king of Aram said, go and I'll send a letter with you to the king of Israel. The king of Israel is not who he needs to talk to. Okay. Some of you got your hopes in politics. But they all going to let you down. Every single one of them. I don't care if they got an R by their name. If they got a D by their name, they're sure going to let you down. But if they got an R by their name, they ain't God. If they got an I by their name, they can't help you. If they got a D by, they can't help you. I'm telling you right now, our faith has to be in Jesus Christ. Listen, he said, I'll send you to the king. That's wise. That seems wise, don't it? But I, my faith's in a foolish thing. My faith's in a little slave girl who encountered God. He didn't say take me to the king, but the king of Aram said, I'll go, I'll send you a letter to the king of Israel. So he went and took with him 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, 10 sets of clothing. He brought the letter to the king of Israel. Naaman shows up with a letter. He's got an entourage with him. Entourage with him. He brought the letter to the king of Israel and it read, when this letter comes to you, note, I've sent my servant, Naaman, for you to cure him of his skin disease. When the king of Israel read the letter, Naaman hands it to him. Next verse. When the king of Israel read the letter, 
He tore his clothes. Because he was, that's something they'd done. I don't know why they wanted to do that, but they did. And when they were aggravated, when they were felt hopeless, they'd rip their clothes. Don't y'all get hopeless today. I'm telling you, there's hope today. There's hope. Keep your clothes on. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes. He said, am I God? Why is he writing me a letter? He wants to start something with me. He knows I can't do nothing for this man. Am I God killing and giving life that this man expects me to cure a man of his skin disease? I recognize that he only wants to pick a fight with me. Oh. See, the king of Syria, he was thinking he was wise. I'll send him to the king. And there's a lot of people looking to the king today, looking to politics, looking to what the government can do for us. But let me just let me take a moment, moment to tell you, there's more power in the pinky of a spirit-filled grandma than there is than there is in all of Washington, D.C. Did you hear what I said? There's more power. I said there's more power. I said there's more power in a new convert than there is in all of Washington, D.C. I said there's more power in the church house, in the people who believe that God is God. There's more power that the answer is found. They have the answer. They don't. Another truck bump ain't gonna help you. Another Biden hand up ain't gonna help you. But when my people humble themselves, anybody too, anybody wanna humble themselves? Anybody want to embrace the foolish thing? Huh? Anybody, anybody want to embrace the fool? Let me tell you where I come from. Let me tell you where I come from. I come from a great granddaddy, a country preacher from Alma, Georgia, who would stand on the street corner. Wouldn't he? He'd stand on a street corner. Oh, he had a church, a pastor. But he realized they wasn't all coming to his church. And he'd stand on a street corner and his children was the praise team. And my mom would sing, and he'd stand on the street corner on a box, and he'd preach. And I'm sure people would come by and say, that's so foolish. I'm sure they looked at Cecil and said, Cecil Wheeler, you lost your mind. You've lost your mind. Got your kids out there in the hot sun singing. There ain't nobody listening to you. What a foolish thing. What an ignorant thing. And I'm sure there's many people passed by and thought that. But the alcoholic that day that heard the gospel for the first time and sobered up and got saved, he didn't think that. That woman who'd been married over and over and over and over again and the man she was living with wasn't her husband. When she heard the gospel of love, I bet she didn't think that. I said, I, did, I bet she didn't think that. It looks foolish to the world. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. It looks foolish. Let me tell you something looks foolish. Joe, up. Open the door. 
fast. Every time I look out here, I say, my God, that's foolish. That is foolish. I drive by here, I think, my God, that's foolish. I see him working, I think, oh my God, that's foolish. I, I, I think about things that God spoke to me and I tell other people and they look at me like I am foolish. But I'm telling you right now, God has always used the foolish things uh, to confound the wise. Faith in a foolish thing. And because we step out not caring what people think. Not caring. We say things that sound foolish. But we say it anyway. We preach a message that people think is foolish. But we preach it anyway. Why? Because there's some people I said there's some people that need to hear the gospel. No matter how foolish it seems, no matter how foolish it sounds, no matter how foolish we are, I'm telling you right now, there is only one saving grace, and it's when we place our faith in what the world calls a foolish thing. That's the only hope for humanity. Well, after the king ripped his clothes, the prophet heard what had happened. When Elisha, next verse, the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. He said, why'd you tear your clothes? Have him come to me. Well, that was who he was supposed to go to. Some of y'all are still holding out that that relationship's gonna help you. But that last toke it's going to calm your nerves. That the last snorts is going to give you just enough energy that you need. Going to help you. Some of you have kept Budweiser open through this pandemic. You popped the top thinking that's going to help me. I need some time. Chill. To get me through the day. You went to the king instead of going to the prophet. You keep on going to the king instead of going to the prophet. But uh, hear me, I, now I'm going to preach my second sermon, my sermon from last week. He takes away the first to establish the second. God's getting ready to take away the things that you've been dependent on, the things you've been trying to hold on to, the things you think are going to get you through and get you out of where you're at. And I'm telling you, it will not. I'm telling you, you've been visiting the king. But I'm telling you, if you go to a prophet, there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Got all these people with him. All these horses. And I like this. Then Elisha, he didn't even go out to him. He sent a messenger 
He said, okay, that, 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 that general is here. This is what you need to tell him. Tell him, go wash seven times in the Jordan and your skin will be restored and you will be clean. So the messenger left, went, went downstairs, went to Naaman and said, Naaman, um, Elisha the prophet said, go to the Jordan River and wash, dip seven times. After the seventh time, you'll be healed. That's a foolish thing. And that's exactly what Naaman thought. Naaman said, that's foolish. And he got angry. You see, I can't tell you how many people have heard the gospel and they leave angry. See, the gospel will cause you to either run out or to run to him. It will either cause you to surrender everything to him or you'll grab hold of everything and say, I can't believe the pastor said that. Some of you right now are mad at me because I said, token. <laughs> Get over it and give it to God. Naaman got angry, saying, I was telling myself, while I was riding over here, surely he'll come out to me. Don't he know who I am? He'll stand over me, call on the name of the Lord. Next verse. Surely he'll come down and wave his hand over me over the place that I'm sick, over the place where my sores are, and, and cure my skin disease. But that ain't what he done. He's thinking this thing through his mind. I can't believe he just sent some messenger. See, the Lord will resist the prideful. But he gives grace to the humble. Then he said, and then he told me, next verse, he told me to go down to the Jordan. That's the worst river out of all of them. It's muddy. It's nasty. The Abana and Farapar, now them are some rivers. Why didn't he tell me to go over there? You see, hear me. Hear me, listen to me. Men are telling you today that the, that the Jordan don't work. That this, this Jesus thing is foolishness. What you need is not religion. Well, I would agree with them. You don't need religion. What you need is a relationship with Jesus. They'll tell you you need to go to the Abana and the far apart. But whatever you do, don't go to the Jordan. They'll tell you what you need to do is you need some good counseling. What you need to do is, have you tried this pill I'm on? You got anxiety? Have you tried this new pill? You know back, and I'm going to sound old, but it wasn't that long ago when I did, we didn't know nothing about a pill. And did you know my grandma lived to be 91 years old? And did you know when she got saved, I'm not saying you need to do this, but I'm just telling you. 
After she got saved, did you, and this is going to sound foolish, I know. After she got saved when she was 19 or 20, she didn't take another pill. She didn't take an ibuprofen. She didn't take a Tylenol. She didn't, you know what? I bet someday she woke up and thought, I'm a little anxious. But she didn't go look in her bottle cabinet. Some of you thinking, I'll never come back to church here. Well, you may not, but at least you heard the truth. Because I'm telling you right now, you say, are pills bad? No, I'm not saying medicine's bad. I'm not saying medicine's bad at all. But I'm telling you, if that's the first place you run, if that's the first place you go to, I'm telling you, try Jesus. Try Jesus. Try Jesus. Because there is not enough downers and uppers to fix what's spiritually wrong with you. And that's the truth. But see, the reason we choose that is because that's nicer. Cleaner. That's the far apart. That's the abana. We don't want to go to the Jordan because that seems foolish. You mean I can call out on God and God will heal me? You mean I can cry out to the Lord, I can take my sin, I can take my mess? I, I've tried. Pastor, you don't know how hard I've tried. You don't know how hard I've tried to be a better husband. You don't know how hard I've tried to be a better wife. You don't know how hard I've tried to put up the drugs. You don't know how hard I've tried. I've tried, but Pastor, I can't do it. It's, it just seems like something I cannot do. And now you're telling me, what you're telling me to do is go to a place, go to somebody I can't even see with my own eyes. Call on out on somebody. But I can't hear. It's a foolish thing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. He said it'd be better to wash in the abana or the far apart. Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? And some of us are trying to wash and stuff that will not clean us. I'm preaching tonight, today. Is it night? I, I know I've been preaching long. This is good preaching. The church is busy washing people and things that won't clean. We are a big referral service. You know, I, I got rebuked the other day. By who? By the Lord. Because... We're not meant to be a referral service. When you come with a problem, I shouldn't be looking through my Rolodex and find out, now what did you say your problem was? Oh, you got a problem with pornography? Let me find somebody that can help you with that. Yeah, they're in the J's. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I, Pastor, I was wondering if you could help me with I've some counseling, I've got a drinking problem. I sure could. Let me look. It's in the J's. No, 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 no. This is in the M's. Mighty counselor. His name shall be called Mighty Counselor. Wonderful God. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. You say, Pastor, you against all those things? No, but I'm telling you, either we believe what we believe or we don't believe what we believe. And I believe what I believe. And I believe you believe that I believe what I believe. And I'm telling you this, Jesus Christ is the answer. 
You know what? He turned and left in rage. And see, that's what we're going to do here to, we're gonna, today. You're either going to turn to him or you're going to turn in rage. Look at me right now. Look at me, everybody, like I'm the only person in the room. We're having a conversation. You're either going to turn to him or you're going to turn back. You're going to go back the way you're going. You're going to st still try to clean yourself the way you've been cleaning yourself. Managing yourself the way you manage. You've, you've always managed. You're going to try to cope instead of conquer. But his servant approached him and said, Naaman, my father, listen, we've come all this way. Don't turn around and leave. He said, if the prophet had told you to do a hard thing, a great thing, would you have not done it? How much more should you do it when he only tells you, wash and be clean? Do y'all hear what this, do you hear the message here? He said, if he'd have told you to do something hard, something wise, you would have done it. But all he told you, name it, all he said was just go down to the Jordan. I know it sounds foolish, but what if it'll work? I know this message sounds foolish, calling out on the name of Jesus. Thinking that Jesus, this man who was crucified and the man who I, I say and the prophets say and the apostles say and this word says rose again now is seated at the right hand of God and that if you place your faith in him and your trust in him that he'll cleanse you and make you brand new and wash you clean, do something for you that nobody else can do. I know it sounds foolish. I know it sounds foolish. But if you put your faith in a foolish thing. And that's what this servant, notice who's telling him this. First it was a slave girl. Now it's a servant that doesn't tell him what to do. He tells them what to do. And he says, maybe you ought to try it. Hear me. Maybe you ought to try what I'm telling you today. But you're, you don't sound educated. Just consider me a slave. Just consider me a servant. If you're looking for the most intellectual, you'll pass by me. If you're looking for the most talented, you'll have to keep on looking. But today, try this Jesus. I know if I told you to do a hard thing, you'd do it. But what if I told you just place your faith in Jesus? Wash and be clean. So you know what? Hallelujah. And you know, I want to help somebody. Some of you, if you'd have read this story, you thought, Naaman ain't going. There ain't no way. Not, but look what it says. After he listened to this servant, Naaman went down. He probably thought, well, I've tried everything else. <laughs> he probably took another look at his sores. And thought if a doctor could do it, it had already been done. If money was the answer, it had already been done. 
If education and success in this world would bring about a change, it already been done. I have nowhere else to go. Where's the Jordan? And he dipped seven times. He got in there. And he went down. And he come up. He probably thought, this don't make no sense. Dips again. He comes back up. Nothing's changed. I look like a fool. He dips again. Comes back up. How they're gonna he looks. They're gonna tell my family what I'm doing. I know they are. They're probably laughing at me right now. goes back down. This is the fourth time. He comes back up. The people on the bank are don't want to make eye contact with Naaman. Naaman goes back down. He comes back up. This is the fifth time. He says, surely if they were going to be healed, they'd probably already I mean, I've already went down five times. But see, God requires obedience. You don't just, you don't just, you just don't go to church and think things are going to get things, you know, well, I'll just go to church. I don't know about doing this whole, going all the way. But I'll just maybe go to church or maybe stop doing some of the things I'm doing. But healing only comes when you completely surrender to God. He goes down. This time he's looking, and it looks worse. Not only does he have the sores on him, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Not only does he have the sores on him, now he's got mud all over him. (laughs) And he thinks, it's getting worse. I'm going to get out of this river. I said, nope, I've got leprosy. I'm going to get out of here, and I'm going to have an infection. says, but I've tried everything. You know, I think that between that sixth and seventh time, there was probably some some pausing. He probably said something like, well, this is it. Jehovah! That's what they call you. If this don't work, then I'm going to die. And that's where you're at today. If this don't work, if what I'm preaching today, faith in a foolish thing, placing your faith in Jesus Christ, if this don't work. But I'm telling you, look at me right now. It works. I said it works. I said it works. I didn't say religion works, but faith in Jesus works. Placing your hope in Jesus works. Naaman went down for the seventh time. And when he come back up, the Bible says, 
He looks at his skin. The Bible says his skin didn't just didn't look like it used to look. Didn't look, didn't have no scars on it. No, 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 no. The Bible says when he got up that seventh time, his skin looked like the skin of a baby boy. Why? Because the Bible says when you place your faith in Jesus, that you are born again. Born again. Brand new. In other words, you won't look like what you've been through. Come on. Come on. You've been through hell. You've been through addiction. You've been through disappointments. But when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, he'll make you brand new. He'll, he'll make a new person out of you. He'll do what a, the Abana and the Farapar cannot do. Stand with me all across the building. Now I want you to look real good at me. <laughs> right here. I want to ask you. Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Because I want to tell you the truth right now. If you haven't and you die, you will go to hell. W won't it be terrible to go through hell on this earth and then have a whole bunch of hell waiting on you when you get the, when you get done. And I'm telling this hell is so much more hellacious than any hell you think you're facing on this earth. I've heard people say all kind of things about hell. Go to hell, what the hell, how the hell, all these things. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, it's no joking matter. It's no laughing matter. It ain't funny. It ain't a question. The only question I want to ask you is do you want to go to hell? Do you want to go there? Some of you are trying to get through this, this life. I don't want to paint no picture that once you get saved that things are perfect. But I do want to tell you something I know. I know that no matter what I go through, I don't go through it by myself. And whatever I go through, I've got a peace that passes all understanding. I've done heard, listen, you say, I don't know if Jesus can fix what's wrong in my life. This mess that I got, the addictions that I've got, the bondages that I'm dealing with, I'm telling you, he can. He can, he will, and he wants to. Carmen's back there. Right, Carmen probably gets tired of me. I talk about her all the time in New Believers. Carmen's mama was a D.A.R.E. officer. You know what D.A.R.E. is? Dr D D you, I don't remember what it stands for. <laughs> but her mama's name was Corporal Purcell. And boy, she'd come in there and she'd tell us all about drugs. I said, I don't want to do no drugs. Now, uh She'd show us the pictures what it'd do. Then she had a nice, cool car. The other person that was with her come had a cooler car 
it talked, a police car. I thought, man, that's wild. Well, Carmen started coming to the church. I don't know. And then I put two and two together because her mom came one day. And I looked at her like, you're, I went back to my childhood days. I said, you're, you're Corporal Purcell. She's like, yes, I am. I was. A lot of things have changed. She's not a police officer anymore, and she's remarried or not married anymore. I don't know. But still, she was her. But Carmen is her daughter. And Carmen got saved a couple months ago. And Carmen was an alcoholic for, tell me if I'm wrong, 40 years? 25. 25 years, Carmen was an alcoholic. Drunk to survive. Drunk more than a fish. And tried to quit. Over and over. and Am I right? Over and over and over and over again. But a couple months ago, how long has it been, Carmen? I haven't had a drink in two and a half months. A couple months ago, Carmen got saved at the move. Wasn't it at the move? We gave an altar call. She came down. And God radically changed her life. Saved her soul. And what she tried to do for 25 years, God done. I said, God done. I said, God done. Just like that. told Carmen she's in our new believer small group I said Carmen how many times you try to quit she said I can't even tell you I said then how'd you quit I said what's the difference she said Jesus I could, I could now go through a, this, this crowd now and do the same thing but I'm not I'm just telling you right now if you're ready to surrender everything to Jesus. If you have tried and you're trying, just doesn't work. You can't do it. You've come to the end of your rope, the end of yourself, and you're ready. You want to place your faith in a foolish thing today. I'm asking you right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, in the name of Jesus, draw your people. Spirit of God, draw your people today. Draw them God, it's your will that they not perish. Maybe it's not alcohol. Maybe it's not drugs. Maybe they'd say, I'm a good person. But hell is full of good people. It ain't about being good. It's about placing our faith in you. Right now, church, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if God's dealing with you, if you feel God speaking to your heart right now, if you feel God moving and tugging at you right now and you're ready to give your life to Christ, you say, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of battling. I cannot do it myself. I want to make Jesus my Lord. I believe that he died for me and I believe that he rose again for me and I want to accept Jesus today. If that's you, would you come down here to the front and let me pray with you. Come down right now. Step out. Step out right now if that's you. Come on. Anybody else? Step out. Step out. 
Step out. Anybody else? Anybody else? Look at me. Look at me right now. Look, everybody look at me right now. Look at me right now. Make sure. Make sure. You say, well, I'll do, you know, I heard what you said. I like what you said, but maybe next time. Here's the problem. You don't know if there's going to be a next time. And you can't come to Jesus on your own. The Father has to draw you. So look at me right now as if I'm the only person in this building. One's already came. But I'm asking you right now. If you don't know Jesus today. If you don't have a personal relationship with Christ today. Don't put it off. Ma'am. Sir. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. So I call. I give the call one more time. Is there anybody else? I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. Is there anybody else? If so, would you come right now? Would you come? What will people think about me? What will people think about me? I'll tell you what the saved people in here will think. They'll think you made the best decision of your life. They'll, they'll rejoice with you. They'll celebrate with you. Lift up your hands all across the building. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We bless you today. We honor you. We thank you for this word today. And God, if there's people in here today and they're saved, but they're holding on to things. They're... God, I just pray that they'd surrender everything to you today. Surrender that vice. Surrender that addiction. Surrender that bondage to you today. They would keep their faith. The same way we get saved is the same way we stay in same way we walk in victory it's by keeping our faith and our focus on you but we bless you we praise you we thank you father in jesus name amen and amen come on can you give god praise today god bless you i love you see you next weekend we hope that you're encouraged by today's message if you were please feel free to share on social media subscribe or leave us a review we can't wait for you to join us here again.